You're listening to the weekly podcast of Cayo, the youth ministry of the Father's House in Owensboro, Kentucky. Cayo is a healthy home for teens who are loved like family as sons and daughters that embrace their kingdom identity and purpose to change the world. At Cayo, your home. A new year. Who, who last week we talked about Cayo, we talked about stirring our hearts, that our hearts come alive and our, our hearts would burn for the things of God as we get in the scriptures and as we spend time with Jesus. You guys remember last Wednesday? Anybody? Did I help recap for you just in the last 30 seconds? No? Just check it. Let's pray real quick. We'll jump right in. Father, bless the message. Anoint me to speak. Anoint our squad time later. I pray, Lord, that Eyes and ears are anointed to see your word, hear your word. I pray for creative anointing, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would see scripture, hear and encounter your word and encounter you in a new and fresh way. Help us see a different angle that maybe we haven't seen before. Lord, I pray that you would bless it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Now, when I was about seven or eight years old, I don't even know. Maybe, I don't even know. I was in elementary school. And I remember playing this video game. It was a wrestling game. Wrestling started young in my house. Anybody know what wrestling is? And I don't mean Apollo High School wrestling. I mean professional wrestling. So they they call it professional, but we know it's not. However, it is real. People do get hurt, blah, blah, blah. Just the endings are predetermined. We're playing Nintendo with my brother Dwayne, and I remember it was 1v1 in a match. And then... When you, you know, this is before wireless controllers. So you had wired controllers. So you only had so much distance between you and the TV and you and one another. And I remember it got so heated that we started pushing and shoving and we started punching. The game got real. And I remember like thunder coming from on high. It was like the thunder was down the road, but suddenly the thunder came into my room. And my mom Kicked in the door. I don't know. She may have even shoulder blocked it. She could have been a linebacker. Not really. She basically came in the room. Boo! And I remember, I remember she took her left hand. And if I can just use this just for the sake of conversation. She yeeted me over here. Threw me all over here. I just remember getting knocked to the ground and blacking out. I don't remember what happened after that. And I, I, wait, that's not true. Then my mom, she pretty much grabbed the video game system, ripped it straight out of the wall, and then my brother started to say some words that sounded like profanity and curse words. I remember my mom's hand. She slapped the freaking taste right out of his mouth. He went down on the bottom part of the bunk bed, blacked out, and don't remember the next day was Saturday. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I kid you not, I slightly exaggerate that story, but my mom threw me down. I don't even know what happened. She ripped that thing straight out of the wall. I don't know. I saw, like, I don't know. And then my brother went down. Blacked out. It was Saturday. I don't even remember what happened. And I was in my own bedroom. Who can relate to that story? Okay, I'm glad that maybe you can't. By the way, my mom didn't beat us, but I'll tell you, my brother Dwayne really tested her. What a Pastor Darrell, what's this got to do with Kyle? What's this got to do with Jesus? Everything. Because in the, this is the old school Nintendo system that if you look at it, everybody look to that glorious creation. You might know it as the NES Classic or the NES Mini. 
Somebody probably fought all kinds of old people and young people alike standing in line to get this probably in the last few years at Christmas. Now, if you notice to your left, it's a power button. What does a power button do? Turns it on and turns it off. Boom. Now you look to the right, there's a button that says reset. What does a reset button do? What does it mean to reset? No, it doesn't mean to turn it off and back on. What's it mean to reset? To everybody say to start over. So, okay. So, I don't know if you know this. They don't have these on Xboxes and Playstations and Nintendos. I don't, there might be one on the Switch. But they don't have these on there today. You, I remember my same brother would get mad and rip the game out of the system and throw it across the room. He'd be so mad at the video game. Now, I know you guys are all super mature and super spiritual that you've never gotten mad playing video games or at any one while playing online video games. Never in your life. I know that's not you. But back in the day, when you got mad or you're sick of the game, you just hit that reset button. Bloop, the screen would go black. It was like it rebooted new game all over again. You didn't have to save. It had, you didn't even have to hit the save feature. It had an automatic and then later on, they have a beautiful creation that's probably one of the greatest creations that God has ever allowed. We have the Nintendo 64. And on the Nintendo 64, what do we have on there? A reset button. Same thing. Now, we also have these things called smartphones. And smartphones have a similar function. Has anybody ever used this function on their phone? So, if you go to the general settings, by the way, don't take somebody's phone and do this, because if you do this, you should be beaten to a bloody pulp. Pastor Darrell, what are you saying? I didn't say that. That wasn't me. That was not Pastor Darrell saying that. All right, it says transfer, reset phone, prepare for a new phone, erase all content. Okay? It's called a reset. Look to your neighbor and say reset. Please don't do this to anybody's phone. You literally should be choke slammed through a table if that's you. Okay? If you do that, I will personally see that it gets done, and your parents watch. Okay? Just kidding. Maybe. So the thing is, everybody say reset. So at the end of the day, the beauty of the reset is that God knows that we need a reset too. We need a do-over. We need to start fresh, to start over, to set anew, to adjust. Also, the word reset means to set in proper alignment or to repair in a new way or put back in the correct position for healing. To reset a bone when you break it, same thing applies. You have to reset it so it heals back properly and so in for proper healing. Everybody say, sometimes I need a reset. I need a do-over. How many of you guys ever said, you know, today sucked with the capital suh and I need a do-over? Who anybody ever felt that way? Okay, you may not say it that way. You probably use curse words in your mind. Don't lie. We're in church. Just kidding. But I'm just saying, who's ever had a terrible day and you're like, bro, I just want to do over. Come on. You had a tryout or a practice or uh, some type of performance, maybe even a game, and you're like, yo, I want a do over. Sadie, has that ever happened to you? Don't answer that. So just you ever, everybody wants a do over. God knows we need a do over. He knows we need a reset, and that's where we're going. In the coming weeks here at Cayo, a reset. Jesus also talks about a reset in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, he talks about a reset, a spiritual reset, a do-over. It's in John chapter 3. Here we go. You got a Bible? Break it out. You're taking notes? I applaud you because I'm going to tell you. Let me go ahead and encourage you guys. 
the next probably two months, I want to encourage you to take notes. Because this is stuff that most adults don't have down. If you can get it down, you're not going to be struggling when you're 30, 40, 50, 25. So I'm going to encourage you to take notes. All right, John chapter 3. Here we go. Look to your neighbor and say, he said, John, there was a man named Nicodemus. Who? Nicodemus. Okay, a Jewish religious leader or teacher who was a Pharisee. Who are the Pharisees? Guys that crucified Jesus, just heads up. After dark, one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, teacher, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. So Jesus heals the sick, raises the dead, cleanses the leper, the blind to see. Yo, that's a miracle. Miraculous signs followed him. He says, we know God's with you. Jesus replied, verse 3, I tell you the truth. By the way, when Jesus says, I tell you the truth, he's saying, yo, truly, truly, I say to you, like, this is legit, this is real, 100% backed up, it's real. I'm telling you the flat-out, cold, hard fact truth, this is what we're doing, okay? Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? Nicodemus says, how can an old man go back into his mom's womb and be born again? Just think about that for a second. Jesus says, yo. By the way, Jesus in his own way is saying, that's not what I'm saying. By the way, that would be creepy, wouldn't it? Don't raise hands. I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce human life only, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. He says it twice. That means he, when Jesus says something twice, he's dead serious. The wind blows wherever it wants. I need to hear some wind. I don't want whistling. I want wind. That mom thunder might come in the back door. I need wind, not gas. Wind. I'll take it. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. You can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Jesus says you've got to be born again, a spiritual reset, a new birth. I'm going to be honest with you. The Lord put on my heart to share about being born again with you guys tonight, and I was like, God, I'm going to be real with you. I've been walking with you for a while. Besides the idea of going, by the way, it says you must be born again to see the kingdom of heaven. To even perceive, to even understand the things of God, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. What I'm talking about right now, for some of you, you understand. Some of you don't. It's probably because you're not born again. You haven't had that spiritual reset. Point is, Nicodemus is like the Jewish teacher of the day. He is the teacher. He's very devout. He probably adheres to the strictest religious duties and rules possible just because, and he believes he's really honoring God that way. He's asking a sincere question. How do I see the kingdom of God? Jesus says you've got to be born again. Let me just go ahead and say that. When I say born again, does that sound kind of weird to you? To be born again? I've already been born once. Why do I got to be born again? See, here's the deal. Somebody can know the things of God. Somebody can know about God but be blind to the things of God. Somebody can know facts. Somebody can know facts but not know the truths behind the facts. There's a lot of people that know a lot of stuff. A lot of you guys know a lot of stuff, but do you really know the truth behind it all? 
Oh, it's paradoxical. We can be lost and not know it. I was once lost, and I didn't know it. So Jesus basically says, just the way you can't, just the way you can't see the wind, you can't necessarily see the Spirit doing stuff because it's in the supernatural, spiritual realm. You can't always see it. So Jesus says you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. It's not optional. He says you must be born again. It's not optional. Last week we talked about us, Jesus wanting an invitation from us. Well, he's inviting us to be a part of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is not something we see when we die. Let's say that again. Everybody thinks the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God is just something that we're going to encounter when we die. But the kingdom of heaven is here and now. You're part right now in this room. We are honoring God. We're part of his family. We're meeting together. All of this is part of bringing the kingdom of heaven to the earth here and now. It doesn't just happen when we die. It's the whole idea is that Jesus is saying, you must be regenerated. You must have a rebirth. Basically, look to your neighbor and say, you've got to be brand new. See, to have a spiritual rebirth, to be born again, means you're made brand new. I love things in the shrink wrap. I will literally try on a shirt, take it out of the package, and put, make sure it fits okay. By the way, some dress shirts come that way. And then I'll put it back and take one fresh out of the package because I don't want that one. I like things brand new in the shrink wrap, and that's what you are when you're born again. Jesus says we must be born again to see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus also loved us so much and died for us even though we were sinners. So in order to be born again, to have a spiritual rebirth, that means you have to be dead. I want you to think about this. Before Christ, we're spiritually dead. We're walking dead people, and we don't even know it. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 that it says we're dead in our sin, dead in our trespasses. What does this have to do with me? Everything. See, when I was 15 years old, I heard a preacher talking. My brother went to church. He talked about Jesus. My grandma talked about Jesus. She watched this guy named Jimmy Swagger. That dude is still alive. And the thing is, watching these preachers on TV, and one day, out of the blue, I'm in high school. In the summertime, I'm, I'm kind of getting ready for a baseball game, and I hear this preacher talking about heaven and hell. And I, don't, I can't really, I can't even tell you exactly what he said. All I knew is in my heart, I realized that, oh, my gosh, I'm dead. What does that mean, dead? It means like I'm literally not right with God. I'm a son of disobedience. Hang on. Stick with me. There's good news for you. I'm a sinner. Now, when most people hear sinner, you think of some preacher Bible thumping and telling you how terrible and awful you are. That's not exactly the picture I want you to get. Who actually, when I say the word sinner, that comes to mind. Let's be real. Anybody? Anybody ever heard the word sinner or sin? Right? Right? Some people, when they start talking about sinners, they start talking about how everybody starts thinking that's how terrible you are, but at the end of the day, we're all sinners. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all of us fall short of God's glorious standard. That means we miss the mark. If If you're into archery, you know that when you miss the mark, the judge yells out a word. He says sin. It means you miss the mark, right? That means you don't hit the mark. And by the way, the Bible says none of us hit the mark. We could be the best. We could walk old ladies across the street, and we're going to get out in a minute, but we missed the mark. It's like how people like to lower the goal so they can dunk. 
I know some guys in here that do that. You like to lower the goal so you can dunk and like to brag that you dunked, but you lowered the standard. doesn't matter. We can't lower God's standard. We always want to bring God's standard down here when he's asking us to come up. Why? Because he loves us. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. We fall short of God's standard, but the wages of sin. How many, know, who, who, how many of you guys know what a wage is? You, make, you have a job and you make money, right? Who likes to make money? Who likes paper? Who likes to make that paper? Trisha likes money. My gosh, she's bougie. Y'all don't know. Thing is, high maintenance. I love my wife. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe a little. So, but it says, the wages or the payment of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Here's the deal. Guys, at the end of the day, we don't meet God's standard. That means we're sinners. We miss the mark. It means, it doesn't mean we're these terrible failures of human beings. It just means we don't hit the mark in our own strength, and our own power, and our own willpower. A lot of us tend to think we're good. We're not. We're good, but we're not righteous. I know this is kind of big and heavy at first, but I'm telling you, if you know this, Romans 5.8 says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Check this out. I want you to zoom in on this one. Look at this verse. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. I was 15 years old, and I realized I was a sinner for the first time. I didn't know until that moment. Suddenly, I began to perceive the things of God and the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit convicted me, and I just knew in my heart, I'm not right with God. I was a liar. I lusted in my heart. By what's that mean? Strong sexual desire for the opposite sex in particular. Lust can also mean a strong desire for something. And everybody in the room has had that issue. We're going to get into it when we get into relationships later on this year. I'm just being real with y'all. I was a liar. I was angry. I knew I was lost and I didn't know God. For the first time in my life, I realized, oh my gosh, if I were to die today, I don't know where I'd go. Most people will believe in a higher power, an afterlife of some kind, a heaven and a hell. But if you ask them to go to church, they won't do that. Fortunately for you guys, I think you guys like coming here. It's a good thing, right? Who many of you guys, how many of you guys like coming here? So Jesus says, you must be born again. You must have a spiritual reset to see the kingdom, to understand the things of God. But even though we miss the mark, even at our most terrible, Jesus loves us and dies for us. Jesus died for us on a cross, much bigger, much scarier than that one. Jesus died on the cross because that's how valuable you are to him. God nearly bankrupted heaven to save you, to rescue you, to give you the gift of everlasting life. Can I tell you something that it took me a while to get? Everlasting life doesn't start when I die. It starts the moment when I place my faith in Jesus and give him my yes. I am now a part of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Forever I'm part of his family. The moment I say yes, everlasting life begins now. See, 
I asked God, I was praying. I said, Lord, I'm talking to teenagers about some deep theology. Theology, the study of God. Not pimpology, not criminology, not thugonomics. I'm talking about theology. That's the study of God. I don't know. I'm just spitballing. Point is, it's the study of God, right? We're talking on last week about our hearts coming alive as we read the scriptures and spend time with Jesus. And it wasn't just to save us from hell. It's so that we would love to live here and now, not only for him, but to live out who he really created and called us to be. John 10.10 says, a thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what the devil loves to do. He wants to lie to you. He wants to steal your destiny. He wants you to buy into a lie. He wants you to go against the things of God and make you think the things of the world, make you think what you're listening to, who you're hanging out with is better, that you need them and you have to have that boyfriend or girlfriend or you can't go on. You have to have that cell phone or you can't exist. Whatever it is, you think you have to have something, and maybe, just maybe, the devil, the enemy has deceived you. I've been deceived until I was 15 years old. I made a decision in my brother's bedroom while watching that preacher. I gave my life to Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, my heart came on fire for Jesus. So much, in fact, I ticked off everybody at school because I wanted to write papers about Jesus. I talked to him about Jesus. I wrote speeches about Jesus. You couldn't stop me. Until, until, I let the people around me put the, the flame out. I stopped going to church. I thought other things were more important. I tell people all the time, I see so many people make an idol out of sports and activities and so many people make idols out of jobs. I'm not saying you can't do those things, but I'm telling you, if you put God first, he'll make sure you have everything you need. I know some people that are busy to tell me what the Bible says and who God is, and they haven't even read the Bible, and they show up once a month or once every two months. That ain't it. Jesus has come to give life and life to the full. Here's what this translation says I want you to hold on to. I'm almost there. Thief is only there to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Jesus says we can have a life better than we could ever dream of. The Bible says that God can do infinitely more than we can ask, think, dream, or imagine. Most people think a relationship with Jesus looks like a church service. By the way, I like church services. But not a, I, at the time when I was 15, I hated them. Especially after I let the fire get put out. So what, Pastor Daryl? So what? I'm here to tell you Jesus is ready to give you a life better than you could dream or imagine. Pastor Daryl, you don't know my story. You don't know my family. I'm going to tell you I probably do. I had rough times too. And Jesus is extending the invitation. I want to give you a life better than you could dream or imagine. But he's not going to give it to you like a microwave Tostino's. He's not going to give it to you in five minutes or less. But if you trust him, if you place your faith in him, his promise is that you will have a life to the full. He didn't say you won't have trouble. Trouble will come, but you'll have peace when trouble comes. That your joy won't get stolen. The devil is always trying to steal, kill, and destroy you. If he can't destroy you, he can't take you out. He can't destroy your reputation. He can't take your life. He certainly 
will steal the truth from you, steal your joy, steal your hope, and steal everything you have until you just give up and quit. I remember many years ago, I said, God, forget it. I actually said something else in my heart. I said, forget it, screw it, I'm done, I'm out. Why? Because I bought into a lie. The devil wants to know if you don't grab a hold of the truth of God, you're going to fall for a lie. If you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. So what, Pastor Daryl? So what? Why do I have to be born again? Why does it matter? Here's why. I prayed, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I said, why does a teenager, Lord, when I'm talking to them, why do they have to be born again? It's not that I don't know the answer, but I'm like, what do you want to tell them? He says this. Romans 10, 9 through 11. I'm going to read the Passion Translation. What is God's living message? It is the revelation of faith for salvation. Stick with me. Which is the message that we preach. For if you publicly declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved or experience salvation. The heart that believes in him receives the gift of righteousness. That's what makes us holy. By the way, Jesus makes us good. I am not good. It is Jesus who makes me good. And then the mouth confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scriptures encourage us with these words, everyone who believes in him, Jesus, will never be disappointed and put to shame. He pointed me to, if you, if you confess Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. The word saved comes from the Greek word sozo. This is what I want you to hold on to. Sozo means to make you whole and complete. Jesus wants to make you completely whole. You're struggling with depression. That's not his plan. You're feeling insecure. That's not from Jesus. You feeling alone? That's not true. I was having a conversation with somebody recently, and they said, I don't think I can hear the voice of God. I said, that is a lie being exposed because you can. In Jesus Christ, you'll never be disappointed. You'll never be put to shame. But Jesus didn't just die on the cross to save you from an eternal hell, but a personal hell. A personal hell here and now. He's come to completely make you whole, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. That's how much he loves you. Does that make sense? So, God, why do I have to be born again? It's not only so you see the kingdom of heaven, but it's so that Jesus can make you whole again because you're not whole. If you're being honest with yourself, you're staying up late at night looking at your phone, you're bored, uh, some people feel alone, they're just looking, I know some girls, I'll be real with you, some girls are just talking to any boy they can talk to because they don't want to feel alone because they feel insecure and they don't feel loved and they don't feel valued. Talking to just any old boy is not going to fix that, ladies. It's not going to fix it. You need to be talking to the right kind of guy, but maybe you're not ready for that guy because God's preparing your heart. He wants, God has a better plan for you. See, I'm going to illustrate it like this. Okay. I'm going to tell you, I'm a graphic design major. I can really draw, paint, and create, but this could be the epitome of my artwork. Now, here's the deal. 
Can everybody see this? Make sure y'all see this. Here, I'm going to drag it to the middle. You going to help me? Let's drag it to the middle. All right, here we go. Thank you. I forget how some of you guys, some of you guys had seats and you're getting closer and closer to the wall. So this is you. Okay? And this is heaven. And this is where God is. God looks super dope over here. God, you, right? And the thing is, how do we see the kingdom of heaven, right? How? Well, our culture tends to tell us there's many ways to heaven, right? But the thing is, we tend to think three particular ways even in the church. We tend to think, well, I'm just going to love people. Make sure that gets in there. Everybody say love. Well, if I love everybody and I'm a good person and I'm nice, well, that's going to get me to God and it's going to get me to heaven. Right? Then we tend to think, right? We tend to think, oh, I love people. But here's the thing. Do you love everybody in the room right now? Don't answer. Should think about it. I love how somebody just jumps on that. So we have to love, right? The Bible says to love your neighbor as yourself, but do you really love your neighbor as yourself? Have you walked enough old ladies across the street? Have you bought somebody's groceries? Have you loaned somebody 20 bucks? What if one day we stand before God? What if? But God, I was born again. I mean, really, you need to ask that question. But God, I loved everybody. But what if God kept a tab of everybody you didn't love? And you forgot about them, and you're, you died, you stand before him. Well, what if you missed somebody? What if you're doing, going strong until you graduate high school, and then you fall off, and you don't love anybody for 10 years? Or you leave somebody out, right? Suddenly, you don't love enough, or you're not good enough. Well, you think, all right, Pastor Darrell, sure. Well, then I just won't sin. I'm just going to stop sinning. Remember, we missed the mark. We're just going to stop sinning. I'm going to stop doing things God doesn't want me to do. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to steal. I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to covet my, my neighbor's stuff. I'm going to, like, really try hard not to look at pornography. We're getting real talk. I'm just not going to sin, right? I'm going to be nice to everybody best I can. I'm just not going to sin, right? How many people can really just stop sinning by their own willpower? The people that are trying to do this in their own strength, it's not realistic. What if? I had somebody tell me the other day, he said, well, if you didn't confess your sins that night and you died in your sleep, you'd go to hell. I said, I don't think that's true. Because here's the deal. What if God, once again, kept a tab of every sin you committed? Which, by the way, the Bible says that when we place our faith in Jesus... And we believe in his death, burial, and resurrection that our sins are as far as the east is of the west. And they'll never touch. And in fact, it's as if, it's as if, it says that we are justified, meaning just as if we never sinned. So when God forgives us, he doesn't remember it anymore. And he doesn't hold it against you. But what if you forgot to confess some sins? What if you forgot 
to confess those three sins you forgot. Do you think he's going to let you in the pearly gates? Last time I checked, Jesus Christ died for all sins, past, present, and dare I say future, but that doesn't give us a license to sin in the future. It just means he paid for all of them. And the moment we mess up, the moment we sin, the moment we break God's heart, and the moment we realize we've done wrong, because it's written on our heart to know when we've done wrong. He forgives us if we confess it and just repent of it and turn away from it. You might say, Pastor Darrell, but then I struggle the next day. What do I do then? Confess and don't return to it. God is not surprised by our faults and our mistakes. But here's the deal. When you place your faith in Jesus, you are not labeled a sinner. You are now a saint and part of the body of Christ. In fact, you are called the righteousness of God. If you're in here and you think you're dirty and shameful and a sinner, you place your faith in Jesus, that is not your identity. You are now a saint, and you are the righteousness of God. Because here's the deal. Then you think, well, here's the thing. It's impossible. You're going to miss something, but it's good news that Jesus died for every one of our sins and the entire world's, all of them. If you're in here beating yourself up for something you did six months ago, a year ago, two years ago, may I just tell you to put it in the blood of Jesus, repent of it, say you're sorry, and move on, and don't remember it anymore because God doesn't. Okay, Pastor Gerald, why don't we just go to church? Let's go to church. I'm, I go every Sunday. I go every Wednesday. I go every time the doors are open. It's a weird-looking church, I know. <laughs> just work with me. <laughs> See, here's the deal. What if you get to heaven and God kept roll? Well, you know, Jasmine, you missed Wednesday. You missed Sunday for three whole months. You missed when you were... 14, you missed when you were 21, you missed when you were 35. That's a long time ago. We're not going to think about that. or We're not going to even get that far. What if he did that? Guess what? God doesn't keep a roll on when you attended church ready to go. You know what? You didn't have 100%. Well, you're not going to heaven today. That's not what God says. Do you hear my heart? Do you hear what I'm saying? Here's the deal. God came down the stairs. What do you mean, Pastor Darrell? I mean... In this cool dude named Jesus, who says, you must be born again. I don't know, he's got some legit, he's looking fresh. But Jesus, this is him. So God comes down the stairs. By the way, real love, nobody can do it for you. If you love somebody, nobody can do it for you. By the way, you can laugh at my drawing, that's okay. As long as you get what I'm trying to say. God came down the stairs. Jesus is the son of God, born of the Virgin Mary, and he's come. To walk with you. When you place your faith in him, he wants to be your forever friend. He wants to walk with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to invite you into that life to the full. Not just, to, not just when you die, but the life here and now, and even better when you get to actually go into the literal kingdom of heaven. Well, we're already part of it. Jesus helps us. He walks with us, and he helps us love our neighbors more because we can't do it on our own. Jesus helps us stop sinning. Why? Because we realize how much we're loved by Jesus and loved by God. It's not about, I just got to stop, stop, stop. We not know how valued and how much Jesus loves me and died for me and came to save me, to give me life to the full, to literally save me. I, I'm not, that, sin, that sin pattern will disappear when you start putting Jesus first. And then you get to change the world with Jesus. Change the world. You got Nathan in here who's been in other parts of the world doing ministry. That's awesome. What if God called you to Japan or Hawaii? Dude, Hawaii is not that far. It's domestic. But the point is, what if God called you to Africa? 
and God could, you take the hope of Jesus to somebody else who doesn't have it? What if you laid hands on people down your block and they got healed of sickness? I prayed for a guy one time, he had, he had, uh, he had an earache and tooth pain all night long, level 11. We prayed three times that Jesus would heal him. And he was so bugged out that his pain had literally left. He was so freaked out, he stared at us for about two minutes straight without saying a word, jaw open. And he walked out of the room freaked out. Why? Because God came and met him where he was at. And all because we were just, hey, Jesus, we want the world to change through us, the church. And ultimately, one day, when we die, we get to spend forever with him. We tend to think it's always about what we do. I have to do all these things to be righteous. I have to do all these things to be born again or to have eternal life. But it's what Jesus has already done. Jesus has already done it. John 14, 6 says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to God the Father except through me, Jesus. How are you going to be born again? How are you going to live that life better than you could dream of? How can you be made whole emotionally and physically, spiritually, and dare I say socially? Because some of y'all have been wrecked by some friends even at the age you're in. It's all through Jesus. It's all about being born again. It's all about if you just, if you just put him first. You must be born again to see the kingdom of heaven. You must be born again to have life to the full. You must give your faith and your trust to Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you. Jesus, you've come to give us life to the full. Because you love us. Lord, if there's anybody in the room right now that says, hey, I want to place my faith in Jesus. I want the life to the full. I'm not born again. I have not had that spiritual reset. I've been coming to church, and that's it. I've been talking about the things of God. I come to church. I might even bring my Bible. I go to church. I go to every activity, but I'm telling you, that's not enough. I just told you it's not enough. Guess what? It doesn't have to be because Jesus is enough, and he's all you need. If you're in here right now, and this speaks to you, I want you to lift up your hand right now. One, two, three. Anybody in the room? Anybody in the room? One, two, three. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You say, hey, Pastor Darrell, I need to place my faith in Jesus. I see two. Anybody else? Get them up high. We're not going to be, there's no shame in Jesus, y'all. Get them up high. One, two, three, four. Anybody else? Look, I'm not going to make you come up here, but I want to know who, we're going to know who we're talking to in our squats. We're just going to lead you in a small prayer, but we're going to continue in squads, so hang tight. So if you raised your hand and that's you, I just want, I'm going to give you the words to say, you got to mean it. you got to pray it with meaning. And if you do, God not only will forgive all your sins because of what Jesus did on the cross in his resurrection, not only will he give you a reset, a spiritual rebirth, being born again, not only will you see the kingdom of heaven and begin to understand the things of God, not only will you have a home in heaven when you die, but you're going to have life to the full here and now with him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If there's somebody else in the room, I think there might be one more for sure. If there's somebody else in the room, 
and you're keeping your hand down, and you really feel like you're supposed to, I just want to extend another five seconds. I'm not trying to drag this out. There's still time for you. There's always time for you. Okay. Lord, for those of you who raised your hand, I just want you to pray and mean this. Say, God, I place my faith, my trust in you. I believe and I trust that Jesus paid for all my sins, past, present, and future. Come into my heart. Reset me. I want to be born again. Brand new in the shrink wrap. I want to see the kingdom of heaven. I'm a part of your family. You love me. I repent. It means I turn away. And I'm sorry for missing the mark. But Jesus, you make me righteous. You make me good. Not me. I'm holy. And I'm good. And because of you, I hit the mark. I'm valuable. And I'm worthy, and I'm loved by you. I follow you from here on, in Jesus' name, amen.